beginning the series today, uh, to lead up to Easter, and we're calling it Alive. John 10.10 is a passage of scripture that if you've been at the hills for very long, you've heard us talk about it. And if you're at the hills for a little longer, you're going to hear us talk about it because it is a, it's one of our, it's one of the the scriptures that we base everything that we do on. John 10, 10. Come on. Y'all going to help me today? All right. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. The NIV says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. New Living Translation says, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Man, doesn't that sound good? Just a rich. Wouldn't you love to get the end of your life and say, man, I have lived a rich, satisfying life. That's what Jesus came. I love how Eugene Peterson says it in the message. He says, I came so that they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. Just let me say this again. Abundant, full rich, satisfying, real, eternal, more, better than you ever dreamed. Doesn't that sound like the life that we want to be living? I'm going to bring this on the screen because I want you to see this. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Jesus does not just want you living. He wants you to be alive. He doesn't just want you breathing and your heart beating and thinking and planning He doesn't want you just living. He wants you and I to be alive. God desires abundant life for each and every one of us. Matter of fact, abundant life is the life that Jesus died for. So if you and I are not stepping into abundant life, we're doing a disservice to why he died. Jesus Christ died that we could live an abundant life. The enemy's mission, how many of you know we have an enemy? I know we forget it sometimes, but let me remind you, you have an enemy, and the enemy's mission is the opposite of God's. The enemy opposes God's plan, opposes God's mission. The enemy opposes us. The Bible tells us that he is the accuser of the believers. What that means is he's constantly yakking into Jesus' ear, God's ear, saying they're not worthy If you read the book of Job, you'll see where Satan came into the presence of God and just started talking trash, just just smacking like this. But do you know who else is is in God's ear? It's Jesus Christ as our mediator and as our intercessor. As soon as the enemy comes in and says, Steve is not worthy, the blood of Jesus says, I have made Steve worthy. I should get a bigger amen. Y'all may not like Steve. Maybe I should use someone else. I have made him worthy. The Bible tells us there are three that bear, wit- bear witness in heaven, and there are three that bear witness in the earth. The three that bear witness on the earth, we don't talk enough about. We talk about the three that bear witness in heaven, but the three that bear witness on earth are the blood, the water, and the spirit. These are the three things that Jesus released from his body on the cross. The blood fell when they stabbed him in the... Sp- in the side with a spear, the water came out and then he released his spirit. And so the blood, the water, and the spirit are witnesses in the earth. What are they witnesses of? That Jesus Christ has set us free, that he has made us holy, that he has made us righteous. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, you are righteous today. Now look at your other neighbor and say, I'm sorry I didn't pick you first and say, say you are holy today. How many of you wake up some mornings and you don't feel righteous? You got any? 
a bunch of liars right now. How many of you woke up this morning, you didn't feel holy? You just didn't. That's why you need the Holy Spirit in you. Because the Bible says the spirit that is within you will testify, will confirm that you are a child of God. So the enemy opposes. He does his best to, to make us think that we're not good enough. But I want to clarify that even though Satan is the opposite of God, he is not an equal opposite of God. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us that his head has already been crushed. He is already defeated. The enemy only has enough power, the power that you give him, the authority that you give him. His head has been crushed. You ever, you ever seen a snake with its head chopped off? They'll still do this, right? And scare you to death, right? I don't even like them with a the head off, okay? Just... They'll call up, they can strike, but there's no harm in them because their head's gone. If you can start seeing the enemy that way, yes, he opposes God. Yes, he doesn't like me, but he has no power. God is the only one that will rule and reign forever. And greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. But I do want you to understand that anytime God has something for you, the enemy will do his best to make the opposite happen. So, if God wants abundance for you, Satan wants destruction for you. I want us to look at exactly how opposite the mission statement of Jesus and the mission statement of Satan are. They're going to bring it up on the screen. Look at this. Jesus said, I have come that you may have. And Satan says, I'm here to steal. Jesus said, I'm going to give you life Satan says, I want to kill you. Jesus says, abundant. Satan says, destroy. They're completely diametrically opposed to one another. So what is Satan's mission? The ultimate mission of Satan is to destroy you. If he can do what he really wants, he wants to destroy you. That word destroy means to annihilate, to wipe off the face of the earth. Luke 22 and 31 and the Lord said to Simon, 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 indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. What Satan wanted to do with Peter is exactly what Satan wants to do with each of us. He wants to grind us up to powder until there is no trace of us left. Until there's no legacy, there's no lineage. That's what he wants. He wants to completely annihilate and destroy every single one of us. Look at me. Satan is not your friend. He is not your friend. But look what Jesus says, verse 32, but. Everybody said that's a big but. Look. What? Come on, y'all. Reading scripture, how dare you do this? I'm so ashamed. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your Brethren, come on, someone watching at home, I want, you to, I want you to get this. I want you to hear this. There is so much in this passage of Scripture. Jesus knew that Peter would deny him, number one. He knew that. But he was able to look beyond that denial and see the ministry that Peter could have. And he does the same with you. And he does the same with me. He can look beyond our failures. He can look beyond our faults. He knows that you have messed up. Y'all know he knows it, right? You're trying to hide it, but he sees it. He knows that you have messed up. He knows that you are going to mess up. Matter of fact, he knows that you're messed up. 
He gets it, but he looks beyond it because he sees more for you. He looks beyond the mistakes you made last week because he knows there's a great testimony for you. He looks beyond that failure that you thought was going to ruin your life. And now he sees it's going to be the greatest ministry opportunity that you've ever had. Because what you overcome becomes your platform. The ultimate mission of Satan is to destroy you. But if he can't destroy you, he will try to kill you. So Satan has come. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. So his plan is to destroy you. But if he can't, he's going to come and try to kill you. And he is an evil assassin. I want to tell you again, Satan is not your friend. He is not for you. He wants you dead. He wants you gone. So let me tell somebody, stop believing his lies. Would you just stop listening to what he's saying? He's a murderer and a liar. John 8, 44. Look, look at this. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. For there is no truth in him when he lies. I love this. He speaks his native language. For he is a liar and the father of lies. He's a con man. Look what he does in 2 Corinthians 4. Satan, who is the God, little g of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. He is a murderer. He is a liar. He is a con man. So stop listening to him. Stop agreeing with him. I found that many times Satan tries to use us to kill us. He'll use us to take ourselves out. Look at what James says, James 1 and 14. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. He wants to kill you. So his ultimate mission is to destroy you. If he can't do that, he'll try to kill you. But if he can't kill you, he will do his best to steal from you. He wants to steal your joy. Kristen and I, the week before our, our opening, three weeks ago, we were so excited. We've been praying for this for 10 years, you know, have this building. And, and the week before was just hell on earth. It was one of the worst weeks we've ever had. We weren't getting along. I mean, it was just, it was rough. Things were happening with other family members and there was just a lot going on. And, and all of a sudden, Christian just says, wait, when that little Italian puts her foot down, I mean, she put her foot down. She said, wait a minute. You see what the enemy's trying to do? He is trying to take away the joy on what should be one of the most joyful weeks of our life. And it just snapped, a light bulb went off. And I said, you're exactly right. He's doing the same for you. He's trying to steal your joy. He wants to steal your peace. He wants to steal your fruit. He wants to steal your family. He wants to steal your legacy. How many have ever known someone that lived their life and right at the end of their life, the enemy just came and took away their legacy, just, just wiped it out. That's what he's after. He wants to take away your abundant life. That's what he wants. If he can just convince you to be normal... Why do you, why, oh, I ain't got to be a try hard. If he can just convince you to be normal. Bring this up on the screen. Abundant life may be the fight of your life. Abundant life may be the fight of your life. Because would you agree with me that it requires a fight to survive, right? It requires a fight to survive. But it requires even more of a fight to thrive. 
Because when you're fighting for survival, you're, you're, you're fighting against death. I don't want to die. I'm going to survive. So you have a motivation to struggle. But when you're fighting to thrive, you're fighting being comfortable and being content. And we all want comfort, don't we? I mean, the older I get, the stretchier my clothes get. I'm telling you, I walk in, I like the color of that. Does it stretch? Yep, I'll wear it then. <laughs> Can I get an amen? And y'all, I found these pants, and even the waist is stretchy. Because sometimes this will be stretchy, but the waist ain't stretchy. But, whoa, they're like putting on pajamas. I want to be comfortable. We all, we want to have the nice home, and we want our kids to do well, and we want to protect and, and, and comfort. But here's the only problem with comfort. Comfort lives next door to complacency. And so you end up fighting yourself because yourself wants to be comfort. But there's something inside of you that says there's more for you. It's hard to fight when you're comfortable. Folks don't fight when life is good. You never see a country revolt when everything's great. Well, they revolt when life starts being taken away from them. Or their quality of life is threatened. And what I found is that most of us do not like being challenged. Especially in this day and age. You challenge me, I'll cancel you. We don't like to be challenged. We don't like to be coached. When coaching is one of the greatest things you can have in your life. Have you been watching March Madness? Do you see how these coaches talk to these players? You're an idiot. Why did you do that? Get your tail on the bench. You couldn't do that in any other form of life. You couldn't do that at your job, could you? Just screaming at the secretary. It doesn't work that way. And yet in football, you see these five foot eight coaches grabbing a 350 lineman by his mask and get over here, you know? Why is, why, why, how can he do that? Because they've given him permission to coach them. Have you given anybody permission in your life to challenge you, to coach you, to make you better? Or do you surround yourself with yes people? I will tell you, the people that surround themselves with yes people end up running to a brick wall and off a cliff. It just, it, it, you get destroyed. One of the best things that has ever happened in, in the history of the hills is Ron Smith coming on staff with us. I will tell you that. Because he challenges me. He cha and we fight like brothers sometimes. And he's, but he's a coach at heart. He has a heart to coach. And several years ago, I, I told him on the phone, I said, I know you've always wanted to coach teams, but you need to coach people. You need to come help. Let's build this thing together. And it's happened. And so, yet I, yet I can also challenge Ron. Ron will say to me, challenge me. I want to be better at this. Who do you have in your life that does that to you? If you don't have that person, you need to get them. You need to get three or four of them. I've got about a set, about seven of them that I call, and I'm going to make any decision I'm calling. I send them videos of my messages, and they just butcher me, all right? They're like, you, why do you do that one thing where you fix your pants? Stop doing that. You're, you're driving me crazy. Okay, because I want to be better. Do you want to be better? Do you want to live the life that Jesus has for you? then you need to be challenged. I, 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 I say this, that you need a church that challenges you. We want you to be comfortable. We make great coffee. We try to make sure we're singing on pitch. Or we've got the most comfortable chairs you can have. I mean, we're doing everything we know to make you comfortable. But I also want you to be a little uncomfortable. Just a little bit, you know, where you leave and you go, okay, I can do more. I can do more. Not I need to do more. I want to do more. 
That's one of the greatest things that Kristen had, had a grief counselor that shared that with her. said, take out the could and put in the should. No, that's not it. Take out the, take out the should and put in the want to. That's it. She said it better than I. Not I should, I want to. I should work out. I want to work out. I should serve. I want to serve. Because if you make it a priority, you will do it. Am I meddling today? A little bit? Okay. You need leaders in your life that challenge you. And I'm telling you, we want what's best for you. I'll tell you this, God wants what's best for you. Did you hear me? God wants what's best for you. You know, his commandments are not for him. They're for us. All the thou shalt nots are there so we can shout do. The reason he doesn't want you doing that stuff because he knows what it leads to. It leads to disease and it leads to death and it leads to broken families. And so don't. But it's all because he wants something better for us. Remember, we read in James that sin leads to death. Well, look at the following verse, verse 16. So don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. Ladies and gentlemen, all God wants for you is good and perfect. God doesn't re-gift. It's fresh. It's new. It's exactly what you want. One scripture, I believe it's in Ephesians, says that he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. That's what he wants for his kids. He wants you to be free. He wants you to be whole. Not just a little free. Not like a hand free. He wants you completely free. The Bible says the children of God are supposed to walk in glorious freedom. Not just a little freedom, glorious freedom. When I say that, I always want just a confetti can to shoot glitter out. Like, glory! I want you to get what I'm saying. That's the life. And the enemy wants you to live less than that. God doesn't just want to give us gifts. Listen to this. He wants to give you his kingdom. His kingdom that he bled and died for. He said this in Luke 12, 32. Don't be afraid, little flock. It gives your father great happiness to give you the kingdom. Satan hates you, but God loves you so much that he wants to give you the kingdom. Now that's a good, good father. Wouldn't you agree? That's a God of more than enough, right? <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Come on, you getting it? You do more than enough. You give more than enough. You are, you love more than, who wrote this song? You are more than enough. Sing it with me. You do more than enough. You give more than Sounds pretty. Do it again. You, you. Ah, oh, yeah. You 
many want more of him today? Raise your hand if you want more of Jesus. We talked about it last week. We want more of his presence and more of his power. I just want more of you. Why don't you tell him that? Would you just lift a hand up and say, Lord, I want more of you today. He gave his everything for us. Lord, we're coming after you today, Jesus. Yes, Lord. I want more of you, Lord. I want more of you, Lord. Come on, I want to encourage you to take a next step toward him today. Wherever you are in your relationship with him. Maybe you don't even have a relationship with him. We want to help you with that today. Or maybe you, you have one, but you're not close. You know you're not doing everything you can. You know that there's more that he can do in your life. I want to encourage every single one of us to take a step toward him today. A big, giant step. And here's how you do it. You just have to say, I, I'm not good enough on my own. I've tried it. So, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give this God thing a chance. How about me and you? I'm going to lay my life down. I'm going to put my pride down. I'm going I'm to give, give this over to you. And watch him start doing things in your life. Watch abundance start happening and the fullness and the richness of the Christian life. Exceedingly, abundantly, above all you can ever ask or think or imagine. So today, those of you online or those of you on site, if you want to join in that journey with Jesus, or if you want to dive in even more, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Come on, Hills family, let's make them feel comfortable and pray it with them. Say, Lord Jesus, today I confess that I am not my own. I have been bought with a price. I ask for you to take me as I am, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Forgive me of my sins, of my pride. Today I lay myself down at your feet. I want to be your child, and I want you to be my father. Come on, say this loud. Lord, forgive me of my sins. Cover me with your grace. Fill me with your Holy Spirit, and help me to live an overcoming, abundant, and everlasting life with you in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody shout amen. Come on, let's celebrate with these folks that just prayed that prayer. Amen. Amen.